Why is it the same repetitive mistakes continue to rob salespeople of more commission checks, regardless of industry, size of company, or region of the globe? These same inhibitors are holding us back from reaching our full potential. Amongst many industry awards, Ian Selby achieved the accolade of top salesperson in the world at Apple. And in this podcast, he will discuss the issues that sales professionals encounter from his own experiences, confessing to the problems he has endured and how he overcame them, giving the benefit of his wisdom to everyone listening who work in the world of sales. To help you, he will reveal strategies to overcome the issues hurting salespeople and helping you reach new levels of sales success. Confessions of a Sales Pro. Lessons, more wins. With your host, Ian Selby. Welcome to Confessions of a Sales Pro. This week, my very special guest is David Stiletto from New Jersey. David is the Chief Growth Officer for DFO Global Performance Commerce, an international boutique digital marketing agency with offices in Vancouver, New York, Amsterdam, and Hong Kong. David oversees DFO's global business development efforts, focusing on structuring and building unified media, technology, and product sales teams across global offices. He also leads growing the company's joint venture portfolio, bringing together new partners and alliances under the DFO Global brand. David's extensive background includes enterprise website development, search and online reputation management, and programmatic video campaigns. The focus of this week's episode is on digital marketing. Welcome to the podcast, David. Thanks for having me, and great to be here. Glad you could make the time uh, in your, I know, very busy schedule. I've got a few questions for you, and I know our listeners, digital marketing is the rage. It's the buzz. There's a threat. Will it obsolete the business-to-business salesperson? I'm a believer that if we embrace this and get led to, to learn how to do that, it can be an asset, not, not a threat. So I've got a few questions I think would shed some light for our listeners on what the whole thing's about. So my first question, David, if you don't mind, is how does one bring an e-commerce product to life? You know, that, that's a really great question. Um, you know, with the e-com world, there, there's a variety of people selling a variety of different things. You have people selling individual products to people who have massive catalog cart websites with thousands and thousands of SKUs. And, you know, how do you make sure your product is, is not getting lost in all the noise out there? And so I, I think the first thing, whenever somebody is bringing something to life, is they really need to evaluate the category they're going into and the types of products they want to sell and who they're selling to. Us, for example, you know, we really like to focus on direct-to-consumer, and we like to focus on things that will help as an everyday use item. It saves time, saves money, promotes health and wellness, better night's rest, and things that sell well in multiple quantities. You know, something that would be good to have at the house, maybe in the car, or be good on the office and at home, um, because that can also help with maximizing profitabilities and average order values. Makes, makes complete sense. So being selective and, and it's almost don't just get online and see if you can sell something. It's have some strategy. That's what I really heard you say. And I like that. Makes, uh, Absolutely. makes a lot of sense. And, and also, <laughs> you know, I think that. Go ahead, sorry. David. Go ahead. And please. Also going to say, you know, if it's somebody who's new in the online space and they're not selling things to begin with, I mean, 
find something you're passionate about. You know, don't just try and jump on something because you think it's a trend or it's something that you think everybody wants. You know, I think when people are first getting into digital marketing and online e-commerce, you know, they, there's so many things out there and they see things on Amazon or Wish or these different platforms and they're like, oh, I could sell this or I could sell that. But, you know, what, what you really need to do is bring something innovative to market. You know, some of the best ways to even get ideas is find things you're interested in. Go on Amazon or go on one of these bigger marketplace platforms and then read all the customer reviews and see the good and see the bad. Because what's really helpful is if you can figure out how to make a better mousetrap, a better version of one of those products you find interesting by reading what some of the, the pitfalls are, maybe there you can then create something, patent it, and then you're on to something. Wow. I, I, I love what you said there around finding something you yourself are passionate about. And, and it, it, it's a good, I've always said, if, if you wouldn't buy something, why would you want to be selling it? It's, it's got to make sense. And if it aligns with your own kind of life purpose, that's even better because your, your passion for it, your interest for it will run a lot deeper. That's great advice is that if you haven't got a product but want to jump on the, the train of digital marketing, Again, do some research up front before you just uh, ready fire aim, so to speak. Um, what kind of digital marketing is required to generate lots of e-commerce product sales, David? So it's a great question. So, you know, in digital marketing, there, there's what we would call traditional marketing or ad agencies. And a lot of the, these companies work on a, a media budget plus agency fee model. And so obviously, you know, assuming you already have a brand and products and everything built out a website, you're, you know, these companies are great for brand lift and brand awareness. Um, but what we've really focused ourselves on is something called performance marketing. And the, and the big difference is with performance marketing is that we will actually take on the risk of those media buys and we'll partner with advertisers where we like their products. We believe it's something that can scale and pairs well with other products and we'll negotiate a flat rate fee where the, you know, the advertiser will actually only pay us when sales are achieved. It's called the cost per acquisition or CPA. And these are things that work out very well for scalability. Um, products where, again, going back to some of those features I mentioned earlier, where multi-use, multiple reasons to have more than one, you know, it solves an everyday need. Um, and it falls in kind of a, a relevant price point where people are not going to have buyers or more. Products that are priced between a $35 to a $99 price point as a single unit are really great for this. But the big thing about performance marketing is especially for people who are really just kind of getting their, their feet wet with this online advertising and digital marketing, it's a way where there's a really low entry to barrier point. Uh, I mean, it's a way you can get yourself set up without having to outlay too much cash on the marketing side um, and actually get started in scaling. That, I, taking on the risk, like doing that for, for a company that may be new to the digital world, they could even be a traditional company, been around for a long time with products or services, but your company is willing to take the risk and manage that process for them. That's, that's uh, what, a, what a sweet spot in the market you've found with that. That's brilliant. I mean, it, and then what happens is someone might find some local success. You know, I'm selling down the street or across the city and things are, how, how do you properly take an e-commerce business from local to global? You know, that's a great question. I mean, the biggest thing, um, and, and most businesses going international, 
it's not the product itself. It's just the, the awareness of all the, the, the steps and breadcrumbs you need to be able to follow to do it the right way, right? So, you know, for example, when we're doing and rolling out new products and new offerings, you know, I can set up a website, I can have it sell in USD and can ship anywhere globally. You know, people can, if, as long as you open up that address field to allow them to ship it anywhere and you have the proper coast associated, you can get it done. What people really need to focus on though is, you know, understanding what I call the analog or offline portion of that, you know, making sure that if you're selling into a market that has certain regulatory concerns, so if it's a health and beauty product, right? Obviously in the United States, we have the FDA, but in Europe, they have different governing bodies. So we need to make sure if you're trying to sell those types of products there, you're covered there. You know, in the US, we have tax. In Europe, they have that, right? So making sure that right. unless you're you're planning for your, your customer to pay for the VAT um, when they receive it, which is not always welcomed by the customer, they probably prefer to have it included up front, um, making sure those pieces are outlaid. And I think the, the other big uh, not nuance that people should understand is, you know, selling in local languages as well as local currencies makes a big difference. You know, if you're selling into certain countries like the Netherlands, for example, they have an alternative payment method called Ideal, similar to like our PayPal. Um, or if you're selling into Brazil, they have a payment method called Baleto, uh, which is another way to just accept payments. But having these things added to your relevant websites where you're selling in those markets is going to make a huge difference in your success or failure. Um, now, again, anyone can throw up a, an English-speaking website in USD and have set it so they can ship anywhere, but that doesn't mean you're going to be set up properly for success. I always do encourage people before they get into the complexities of obviously setting up international fulfillment to take on, you know, the testing methodology and ship it from their, their main base house to make sure those markets are good. You may lose a little or break even on some of those initial sales, but at least you'll see if it's the right fit for you. And then you can kind of go through those bigger analog steps of getting everything rolled out the right way. That's uh, great advice. Like do, do some testing first. And I, I suspect, you know, prior to coming along and meeting your company, a lot of companies have gone out there and tried to do the global thing, and they've had to learn the hard way uh, through their mistakes. So having someone who's got these global best practices as a partner, as, as a part of their team to go global uh, would, you know, shorten time and save how, how much money, like a lot of money getting it right. Maybe the 10th time, you'll get it right, uh, right away, which makes great sense. I mean, there's got to be, I mean, next question, I'd, I'd love you to share for our listeners the answer to this one, David. What are some insider tips or tricks for building an econ brand? You've, you've got to have some little nuggets that you can drop on the listeners on this one. Sure. You know, I, I think some of the biggest things, again, assuming this isn't a pre-existing business, um, find something and trademark the name. Find something unique come up with a name that has no official meaning. I know it sounds weird, but if you go to Google it, that means there's no other search volume around it. So when you start building this up, you own it. Make sure that you're claiming all of your relevant properties, all of your social profiles, your LinkedIn's, your Facebooks, your Instas, Snap, TikTok, even if you're not going to be using them right away, you have them claimed and set up. Um, also, you know, if you're having a product that's specific that you're going to be rolling out, make sure you get global patents, not just a U.S. patent, not just a China patent, but you want to make sure, especially if it's something unique and innovative, that you own it for everywhere, not just your market, because what's going to happen is as you start to have success, there's going to be eyes other places seeing them, and they may try to recreate yours and steal your lunch. 
So it's very important, uh, especially in the big manufacturing countries, um, that you cover yourself there. Um, other tips, you know, just making sure your proper banking, proper accounting, know your numbers, everything's set up the right way from the get go. I mean, you don't want to have analysis paralysis on day one, but having the great framework and baseline set up is very, very important. And the biggest and most important thing is listen to your customer's feedback. Your customer service team is one of the most important pieces of your overall business because that's where you're going to get all the best nooks and crannies of data, what things you need to change, what things you can improve on, also what things you're doing really well that you should be touting from the rooftops. That's that's fabulous. I mean, do, do your do your research, do your homework. Pave that road even though you're not going to drive on it for a while. Get the, the social platforms, uh, the trademarks, all of the, you know, the, the www. Get all that done ahead of time. And then, you know, drive onto it as you, as you grow. You don't want someone grabbing your, you know, squatting on your name on, on LinkedIn, for an example, uh, down the road once you, you're, you know, accelerating your success. Great advice. Well, you know, I'll tell you, I, I see. Yeah. No, I was going to say, I've seen a lot of people done really well where they build out a product, they build out a website and got it set up. And then before you know it, you go check out Amazon and somebody put an almost duplicate product, very similar up under their company's name. And they didn't have the trademark there. There's no way to move those people. And they're basically catching your sales because they might have done an original search, found your website, looked for you. And then we're like, you know what? Maybe I just want to go to Amazon because they get prime or easy to ship or some kind of special pricing there. And then you're actually losing sales. And so making sure you do all that due diligence up front will save you a lot of pain and heartache later on. Absolutely. So that due diligence, having a company like DFO Global help with that due diligence because you've been down this road many times. Wow, that, that, that's priceless. That's the, the kind of advice that everyone needs to look seriously at. So you've been doing this for a while and have lots of global companies, David, that grow their brands, their online reputation, which I really like the words on that, and their whole digital marketing campaigns. Um, so you're in a better position, I think, to predict where it's going. So where is the e-com direct-to-customer industry going? What, what do you think the future holds there? You know, great question. I think, you know, we're going to see, well, I mean, thanks to COVID, we've seen e-com and digital marketing fast forward by five years already to the point where we've almost, you know, broken our infrastructure for fulfillment and being able to get packages. I mean, there were rumors that the United States Postal Service was going to go completely out of business. Now, I mean, if you, if you check out my front door and my, my wife's Amazon habits, there's, there's at least five trips these guys are coming through a day. So I think we're just going to continue consumers continuing to innovate more and get more online. I think what it also did is it forced an older demographic to do things online they weren't before. I have a, a father in his 70s who, you know, he barely could use an iPhone before. Now I have him ordering things off of Amazon and Instacart for his groceries. And it's now it's he understands the, the usability and the nice features and ease of use and time saving and energy saving of doing this. So I think the biggest things we're going to continue to see with digital marketing e-commerce is just people listening more closely to the consumers, helping get better user experience, better customer and journeys. Um, and overall, also, you're going to see technology help innovate. You know, artificial intelligence is used in many things from, you know, shopping cart experiences to when people come to site to try and predict what they're going to do next, what they want next. Um, even helping recommend other products that they may like based on their previous shopping history. So I think there's going to be a lot of innovation around that, and I'm excited to see how that works. 
I also think you'll see a lot more big brands getting more in touch with D2C through digital, um, whereas traditionally they might have relied on brick and mortar channels to have their products there. Now they're realizing they don't need to just use that as an outlet. They can go direct to consumer themselves through these third-party marketplaces online like Amazon or Walmart.com or through their own direct-to-consumer website. That's, that's profound. You're absolutely right. I think COVID accelerated a lot of things and it taught an older generation that they better embrace this because life's been shifted on them. How do, how do they get some kind of new normal out of, out of technology? And you're right. Your, your, your dad, your story about your father is a great one in that we've embraced it and we're not going to let it go just because, you know, the, the world conquers COVID and we're back to normal. If I'm finding I get my groceries delivered with three clicks, Instead of having to get down to the car, get a buggy, I'm always going to do that. So I don't see it going away. I think you're right. I think it's going to continue to accelerate and the technology is going to continue to evolve and present the consumer with even better ways to embrace it. Uh, my very special guest this week has been David Stiletto from New Jersey, uh, DFO Global Brands. Um, thanks again, David, for coming on the podcast and sharing your amazing insights with the listeners. I'm sure the listeners are wondering, well, we, we would love to get you know, David and, and the rest of DFO on our team to help us with that. How can listeners best reach out to you? Sure. So you, you can always come and check us out at dfo.global. Um, that's our website. Um, you can reach me directly at david.stilato at dfo.global. Um, also on LinkedIn, Facebook, and all the social channels. So very happy to communicate and speak with whatever questions people have. That's fantastic. Once again, David Stiletto from New Jersey with DFO. Thank you, David, for being on the podcast. Thank you so much, Gene. It's been a pleasure. If you have found this episode informative and helpful, we would be honored and appreciative if you would share this podcast with other great salespeople like yourself. And we look forward to you joining us for all new episodes weekly, every Thursday. Please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. If you'd like us to help you grow your sales commissions, visit us at salesmentoryou.com. Confessions of a Sales Pro. Lessons. More wins. With Ian Selby.